off, we're gonna tear the roof off the mother sucker. Tear the roof off the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Basil Than 18. Tonight we'll be discussing ballad. And my guest today with me is RB, and you can find them at C. Kerouac at Tumblr. Hi, everybody. Hi. All right, <laughs> so we're discussing ballad tonight. Yay! Yes! <laughs> All right. Um, so jumping right in, we kind of start off with one of Mr. Shoe's wonderful lessons of the week um expressing your feelings during music because they've not done that before at all on the show so no it's certainly not a recurring theme (laughs) not at all (laughs) um and um yeah i like his method of picking things picking names out of a hat it's also the worst way to pick it out of a hat i don't understand why he put all of the names into the hat, and I don't understand how one of them didn't pick themselves. Right. Or, and it's really... process. Yes, and how kind of irresponsible to put himself in, you know? I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> but, I mean, he's a quality teacher, so he can expect nothing less. <laughs> Which has been a theme of every podcast I've done so far. <laughs> and, you know, I wish that I could say that it gets better as the seasons go on, but he seems to get worse. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> but, I, but I guess that's just the quality line of school system. The, yeah, unfortunately. If, if the he's show the, wants me to believe that he's one of the best, so I can only imagine what the rest of their classes look like. Yeah, well, I mean, if Sue is on the other end of that, then, you know. Yeah, <laughs> okay, um, so they're picking names out of hat, and um, Finn gets carts, and... Kurt is, of course, ecstatic about it, and Finn is like, oh my god, I cannot do this with another guy. And, uh, yeah. Poor Finn. Poor Well, you know what's interesting? It kind of always sticks out to me whenever I go back to this scene, um, is that, and they do it again in duets, they make such a big deal about two guys singing together. And yet, the same, like, two minutes later, Brittany picks Santana, and it's like, oh, yay, you know, girls can sing together. And then I just wondered if you had any thoughts about that kind of, uh, I don't know if it's double standard, but that what Glee is trying to say with that. I mean, truthfully, I don't think that Glee is trying to say anything. I think that's just a consequence of looking back on what would become major characters in the beginning not intending to be major characters. I think that it's played that... Santana's a mean girl, and Brittany is a gag. And so we're just supposed to laugh it off that these two besties are going to sing together, and it's funny, and girls can do that, because we weren't really supposed to give these characters any consequence. And I think one of the risks of going back and looking at it, especially considering that a lot of things they did not plan out, true, uh, that became very consequential later on, 
we tend to give weight to some of those things that at that point, I don't think they gave it a second thought. So I think that we're just supposed to giggle and pass over that, and then they're, oh my god, Ben and Kirk are going to have to sing together. How, how can this possibly happen? They're boys! <laughs> exactly. And I'm just wondering, do you think it would be any different if, like, you know, if, if it wasn't Santana and Brittany exactly, but if it was like a um, freshly out of the closet, strange lesbian girl, you know, singing with Quinn or something like that. Um, so. I don't know. I, I would love to say that I would hope they would give it the kind of awkward weight that they give to Kurt's crush and Finn's discomfort, but I also think that a lot of it is coming from uh, from Ryan's point of view. And I'm not sure that he would write that female awkwardness as well as he's doing Kurt's awkwardness. Oh, yeah. yeah no, that makes total sense. Um, so, um, nice thing about these things is I can edit my awkward pauses here. Um, I know that's best. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, um, so Finn picks Kurt, and Rachel actually throws him an annoyed look, and um, I'm just a little amused, just because there's some carryover from um, Wheels, which was the previous episode, and... I and love <laughs> Rachel's annoyed looks. I feel like they... Since she's supposed to be the main character, she doesn't get enough background looks, but when she gets them, mm -hmm. they are cutting, and they are irritated, and they are wonderful. And I love it because she's so expressive with her face, mm -hmm. and she actually gets the chance to do that here. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that's. So, it just makes me laugh. It just, just like. <laughs> because she's she's so jealous over something that she does not have yet, and she's not even in the, the vicinity. Right. Of having yet. No, and it's so arbitrary in some ways too. It just, but you know, it's just. They were having this tension from before, and it, and it carries over, and then it'll carry over into hierography, and it just, I don't know, I like those little moments, especially in the first season, we get a lot of these little tiny, like, background glance type things. So. I know that a lot of people kind of dismiss the first season, because, you know, we haven't mm -hmm. gotten to Blaine yet, we haven't gotten a lot of the Kirk focus that we get in the later seasons, but I, I am an unabashed first season fan. I think that it's dry and cutting, and I love the, the extensive voiceovers that they kind of let slide later on, mm -hmm. the, the irritation that they let people like like Rachel and Kirk have, and I, lo I love the first season. It's There's a mean and cutting in a way that I that I enjoy and I kind of miss in the later seasons. Yeah, I was I. I often think of the first season as just a bit darker and, and, as, and as much stereotyping and, and cartoonish as it can be sometimes. I think there's a grittiness about it that the later seasons don't seem to have as much. No, I totally agree. And, I mean, the first season, the first episode is what hooked me. I mm -hmm. one of those that watched the first episode, and I was sitting there with my roommate, and she goes, yeah, so this is going to be great. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> We're going to do this. And so I, I just love the kind of the fight that it has. And rewatching these first episodes, especially now with the podcast and looking back on them, oh man, I totally missed this. And I think that it brings into clarity how much that kind of fighting tone that was very prevalent in the first season and in parts of the second season 
kind of, the edges got smoothed out as they added more characters mm-hmm. and they wanted to go into more realistic storylines and bring it more into real life instead of being a bonkers high school show. <laughs> Which has its own. <laughs> it's kind of funny, yeah. No, I agree because the later seasons often have their merits too. I mean, like. I mean, you know, season five is just kind of insane in some respects. Um, but I, I think that's, I, I love that in each season I can pick, you know, something that I really love about the show, you know, and, and in the first season you can, there's so many like little subtle jokes there and, and just this kind of, like you said, biting realism that it's buried in there that you may not notice on the first uh, run through, but um I do agree with it. It just, there are a lot of little gems in season one that I think sometimes people forget. There are. And I really hope that, you know, as we're going back through them, we can, we can appreciate these gems that got us to, to where, where we, were. we were and where we enjoyed at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, well, yeah, even here in this first scene, I mean, just the look on Kurt's face and, and, and the tiny little facial expressions when, you know, Finn is like, Almost, I don't want to say horrified, but just like, oh my god, I can't sing with a guy. It's not really Kurt personally. He he is facing something that, in all of his jockness, was not expecting. Which, for somebody who spends so much of his time in a locker room, Mm -hmm. I don't understand why he's having this panic look. But that's another one of those looks that I just... That I love. Mm-hmm. And I like, uh, uh, in contrast, you, you see Kurt, and he's already like having this whole f- fantasy mapped out in his head. Like, you know, Finn's going to sing to me this song, and but doesn't matter. I'm going to sing, you know, like when they get into Endless Love, and he's like, oh, Finn and I could sing this, but I'm going to sing the Diana Ross part. And, Kurt and, has already written his and Finn's love story yes. in his head. He has, he has gotten it into his head that this is his knight in shining armor. And I think that it's a very interesting parallel to the Rachel Shue, Susie Pepper story that was in the, the episode. And I think that it's a great callback to the Curtin Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that he builds it into his head because here's somebody who gave him not even positive attention, but attention. not negative right. attention. Mm-hmm. You know, he's getting thrown into the lockers and here's somebody who's saying, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Not throwing somebody into lockers is wrong, but, you know, I'll, in the first episode, I'll hold your bag. Or maybe you shouldn't do that. You know, <laughs> he's a person. Right. Um, it's the same as when uh, when Kurt was giving Mercedes attention. Or now, with this episode, with Shu giving Rachel attention. Mm-hmm. And... It's a it's a wonderful kind of parallel that I think um, speaks to that moment when you're you know, 15, 16, and you're thinking, you know, my God, nobody's ever paid any attention to me. Wow, somebody's paid attention to me. And Kurt does not go for anything halfway. Nope. If he's going to go for something, he's going to lap everybody, he's going to run for it, and then keep doing the rest of the decathlon until he got his gold medal. Exactly. And and, um, at the expense of anybody that gets in his way intentionally or unintentionally. Oh, exactly. And I think that it comes to having to fight for everything. Yeah. You know, he he feels like he has to fight for his dad's attention as as much as we all know that Bert loves this kid regardless of who he is or what he does. 
but he feels like, you know, I'm not the, the boy or the young man that his dad wants, you know. Uh, here's Rachel, who is the stunning superstar, no matter what good or bad she does, so I have to fight against that. Um, here are these guys who are going to make fun of me for my, my talk, my walk, my dress, so I've got to put up walls and fight for that. And so he's already built everything in his mind, so if he's going to fight to blaze through that, he's picked his knight in shining armor, and that knight in shining armor is unfair. Straight. <laughs> no, but that's exactly right. And and something that I, I really love about this episode is that, I mean, even though everything before it has, you know, built up to it, and Wheels obviously plays a huge part of it, and so does Preggers, but, like, this is kind of the really beginning of the fleshing out of Kurt's character, and then I really do feel like, I know a lot of people may, you know, um, they may question the writing at times or whatnot, but I think Kurt has been one of the more consistently written characters, and like you can trace how he acts later on in later seasons all the way back to these first season episodes, and it really connects very well. Kurt is one of the most consistent characters, and I think that that's because he comes from a place of truth and being beloved by the writers. Mm -hmm. um, for for good or for ill, at the expense of other characters, regardless, I love her. He's the, he's the first character who got me uh, into the show, so I love him. I could watch an entire show of Kurt. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think that he's one of the most consistently written characters. He doesn't seem to have the wild swings of motivation or temperament or things that you can poke out and go, mm -hmm. I think somebody forgot to read the sticky note that right. says he doesn't actually like to do this. Yep. 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 Um, yeah. And, and going back to the scene, um, kind of jumping back to what we were talking about before. I, I one thing that I really love about Kurt and, and especially in this Kurt in this very young kind of naive puppy love type crush way is that he's got this whole, uh, crush mapped out, he's got this whole plan thing with Finn out, yet he's still him. He's gonna still sing the Diana Ross part. He's still oh. gonna be in control. You know? <laughs> of course. I mean, if, if Kurt's going to have the opportunity to shine, he's going to grab onto it and hold onto it as tightly as he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, going on to the scene where uh, Finn and Kurt are in the auditorium. Oh, I know. <laughs> You know, I have to say, the first time I watched this, it was so awkward, and I just, you know, I'm sitting here cringing, and now, maybe just, you know, growing with Kurt and, and learning his story and everything, I'm just like, oh, sweetie. <laughs> just, oh, sweet baby, you're going to get so much better at this. Yeah. But right now, you are so terrible. Yeah. You are not a successful flirt. No. One, you really need to pick a better target. Yep. <laughs> well, and I love, what I really, really love about this scene is that he tries, like, three or four different methods. I mean, he's like, can I persuade Finn to not like girls anymore? How about I flirt a little bit? I'll touch him a little bit, see if that were it. <laughs> he really does kind of go through the entire list that um, he's probably seen on movies and TV and in song. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, here are the here are the seven steps. We're going to try all of them, and none of them work. And But he's, he's built this story in his head that then is going to be his his white knight. And so one of them has to work, 
and so he keeps trying, which, I mean, it's kind of, commendable is not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Misguided. <laughs> so, Misguided. Yeah. I mean, but naively so. I mean, he's not, uh, I don't know, he's not, like, doing it with any malicious intent. He's just... You know, he, he's kind of, all right, accepted, beginning to accept himself as a, a gay man. And, okay, well, maybe I should start, you know, acting on those feelings instead of repressing them. And that's kind of, at least in my opinion, where it starts to come out. He's like, okay, I'm going to start trying. I mean, who knows? Maybe Finn is repressing something, too. We'll, we'll right. try. Maybe maybe that's why he's being not terrible to me. Mm-hmm. Because he thinks that I'm cute, so let's try this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that's also, you know, him being the only out gay kid at his school and not having that experience of community yet. I mean, we have to remember that at this point in time, Kurt didn't have a Kurt Hummel type on TV. Right. You know, he's he's kind of bushwhacking his own path through the woods. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying. He's not picking the best best person to go for him, but boy, he's trying. <laughs> oh. um, and I think, you know, uh, part of it is also, uh, you know, everyone at 15, I mean, uh, you know, when, uh, or 16, and when they're like, oh, that celebrity, I'm sure if we met, they'd totally date me, you know, that kind of right. also not really, you know, rooted in reality, but it's just something that I think all teenagers are people really kind of go through is kind of exploring that kind of thing as well. Oh, right. And I think part of, part of what makes it so effective is that he's also the only character on the show who actually looks like yeah. he could be in high school. So I guess, and, oh, sorry. and so I have this feeling of, I just want to give you a hug and tell you that, you know, this is not good, but way to try and let's try something else. Right. And I think that if it had been, uh, an actor who looked the age that Lee Michelle or Corey it would not have been as charmingly awkward. Right. And I it, think that it might have looked more like, dude, you're kind of being creepy now. Right. He doesn't want to stop that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree completely. Though I do, I always have given Corey Monty's credit for, even though he didn't look like a teenager, he knew how to act like one very well. He does. He plays... He plays Finn in the way that he's not a spacey jock. You know that there's something going on there, mm-hmm. but he has that aspect of naivete that, right. that high schoolers have at that age. And I do give Finn some credit. And I mean, he's not totally like, dude, you're hitting on me. Get away. Go away. He's actually really kind of nice. He, you know, he's like, I've got a little stress. You're a cool guy, Kurt. I'm just like, all this Quinn baby stuff is going on. And kind of trying to subtly like push away Kurt's advances, it's not complete rejection, which unfortunately only spurs Kurt on a little bit more. But Kurt needs a very firm no, and I think that at this point, Finn is trying to, he's trying to be a better person. He's trying to not be another pup. He's trying to not be as mean to these kids. You know, these guys aren't bad. They could be my friends. I should be kinder to them. I should I should try to be a man, mm-hmm. and, you know, a, a man has has more aspects than just being good at football, and so I think that 
that Finn is trying to become, again, the Finn that we will know later on. Right. Who stands up for his friends, stands up for Kurt, is, is willing to dress up in wacky costumes, <laughs> to sing and dance and not feel uh, uncomfortable about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is the beginning of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess also, like, he just is dealing with Quinn possibly having his child, too. So you have to, like, add on that layer of, like, oh, my God, my life is falling apart. I may be having a kid. And um, that's just a lot for a a teenage boy. (laughs) He's got a lot going on. So, and um, getting back to the plot a little bit, I I don't think that Kurt's empathy is faked here, where he's like, I want to help you out with this, you know? I mean, yeah, he has some personal motives. I mean, he wants, you know, Finn to sing to him because he's always dreamed of of a boy singing a romantic song to him. Um, But, you know, I I do think that he genuinely cares about Finn in that, you know, he wants to, he does want to help um, with the problem. Now there is like when we get to the next part where he's like, okay, this is part of my big, huge plan. Um, But I I, I do think that he does have, that that there is an empathetic part of him. I I mean, I think Kurt is empathetic, but I don't think for him, in this situation, it comes about until they're uh, they're in the basement helping pick out clothes, and they have a real uh, emotionally vulnerable moment. Oh. I think I think that at this point he's still thinking, well, I can I can spend this. I can spend this to me. I'm I'm helpful, and you know, girls are weird. And, uh, <laughs> let Let me tell you all the ways that I can help that girls can't help. Um, <laughs> But I, I think that once we get later on in the episode and they have their moment of talking about their parents and parents that they've lost and they have, they each have an emotionally vulnerable moment that mm-hmm. I, I think that's what helps bring out Kurt's latent empathy. Yes. Oh, no, no. That's really, really good way of putting it. Um, because... Yeah, I think, like you said, he's trying to spin it in, in a way that he wants it to go. And it's not until there are there's that scene and then Quinn getting kicked out of her, her parents' house. I don't right. think until there are actual consequences. consequences. Yep. Yep. All right. Going to the um, next part, it's Finn and Quinn. Because, like, Finn and Quinn are arguing. And here's just a little moment of the, the little quartet. I like, I've grown to call them. Um, of uh, Artie and Tina and... Um, and uh, Mercedes, and uh, poor Mercedes, you ever notice that whenever Kurt gets an A plot line, she gets shoved to the side, and I, it just makes me a little sad, because I am a Mercedes big Mercedes fan. sideline is one of my great complaints about the entire series, and I think that each, especially once we get to the end with Leon and me, I think that it's a wonderful showcase as to, one, how her voice is misused and not given the credit that it is because my god does Amber Riley have oh, a powerhouse she does but the Kurt Mercedes relationship is one of my favorites in the show um, because there's they don't have expectations of each other they're they're supportive of each other they aren't competitive with each other in an unhealthy way that I think later on that Kurt and Rachel become mm-hmm. um and so whenever she gets sidelined with Kurt's A plot, like all, all I want is for the two of them to have an entire show where one of them isn't unfortunately declaring undying love <laughs> for the other. <laughs> and yeah. another 
yet another high school misguided. Sweetie, you should really pick somebody who's actually into your gender. Right. Well, th- now that I think of it, this just popped into my head. I mean, how would the story have been a little bit different? I mean, granted, Kurt needs to uh, learn his lessons, but how would it be a little different if Mercedes was actually involved and she could be like, yo, um, do you remember what happened like two weeks ago? Oh my God, how much would I love that? They should have done that. I know. <laughs> okay, fifth graders. Completely, completely missed opportunity. They really should have had Mercedes going, uh, I feel like we learned this lesson. <laughs> Striving for somebody who is not interested in you or anyone in your gender <laughs> is a mistake and only leads to heartbreak. And she it leads to me destroying your navigator, <laughs> which is one of my favorite numbers. Oh, I, you know, this is going to be a, um, a, um, as much as it's a Kurt and a Blaine podcast, it's going to be a Mercedes podcast too. Cause everyone I've had done so far, it's been How a, can you not oh, Mercedes? I don't know. <laughs> So I, she's I, wonderful, and she's so mischievous, and she should she should be brought in anytime. Fair on spring. But yeah, so anyway, that just that little moment, at, you know, at the, at the lockers and later at the end, I'm like, oh, I miss Mercedes in this episode. Oh, oh. Mercedes. Um, so um, going on with the, though, I love that Finn and Quinn are um, arguing, and Kurt's like, I'll be able to solve this. Like, <laughs> let me just convince him that girls are, you know, whatever. It's, it's part of his internal fairy tale that he's written. You know, this is the next step. The Grand Knight is having a conversation with, I don't know who Quinn would represent, the cheerleading dragon? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who he represents in his White Knight fantasy, but he's going to, well, he's, he's going to go save the knight. So he would be another knight? Yeah, That's, I don't know. I don't know. This I'm, is the next step in his story, and he's going to he's going to move it along because I mean, girls, right? Girls are weird. <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying not to laugh too much. That was a fantastic image of Quinn as a dragon that needs to be slain. Oh, in my head, a dragon in a Cheerios costume. Which, considering what uh, Sue puts them through, God, in the entire Ugh. series, yeah, it work. Yeah. <laughs> So Kurt goes into his uh, fantasy ideas, and here, oh, like, this is such a, I mean, this is so early, Kurt, because he does change a bit and grow up, but, like, here is this kid who, yeah, has this hardened shell of life around him, but inside he's just, like, this mushy, gooey, like... He is squishing it uh, on the inside. All he wants is for someone to scoop him in his arms and Tell him all of the ridiculously silly, cushy things that he hears in the media and in the hallways because, I mean, high schoolers are gushy all the time. Mm-hmm. You dated somebody for two days and this is your one and only love. And so that's the language of love that he's in the middle of. And he he wants that. And he's, he's squishy. And yeah. I want that for him, too. <laughs> and yes, sweetie's. You'll get there, sweetie. Got another year to go. (laughs) But he's he's such a romantic, and I love that he's got this hard candy shell, but on the inside, all he wants to do is hold a boy's hand and kiss him sweetly and have all of those awkwardly romantic, weird, lovey-dovey, valentines-y things 
that everybody else in the school takes for granted. Right. And I think, you know, going off of that, one thing that I just love about the entire series, looking at it as a whole, is watching Kurt at the beginning and, and how much we want as an audience member for him to have those things. And, like, then he goes through hardships and, and things aren't the romantic fairy tale that he thinks that they're going to be. But, you know, I, like, even though he, he does grow up and does kind of come to reality in, in a way an adult does, I, I don't think his enjoyment of romanticism ever really leaves him. So No, I don't, I don't think he ever loses it. I think that he'll be 70 years old and get kind of giddy when flowers get delivered. Right. His house. I mean, he he's going to be the guy who looks at it and just kind of kind of giggles and smiles and <laughs> and I I love it and I, I think it's adorable and uh, it's it's kind of you know in the future with with silly love songs mm-hmm. um, the 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 scenes in the coffee shop and of course I know this and here are these cookies and here's this squishy bear <laughs> the the look on his face like <laughs> this is wonderful. Exactly. And, and, I do, and I love that he's never lost that. No. And even at the end, I mean, just, like I said, even though his character's changed quite a bit, I mean, I, I don't know. I still just see him as somebody, you know, he'll be like 50 and, you know, Blaine will send him flowers or something and everybody will be like, wait a minute, he's giggling over something or something? Yeah. You know, exactly. And I, and I imagine that there's going to be, you know, because Blaine is the type who would love to send a ridiculous bear with a heart. Right. And Kurt is the type of person who would love to receive mm-hmm. a ridiculous bear with a heart. Right. Exactly. Um, two things that really kind of stand out to me in this scene. Um, the first one is, it's a little thing, when um, he's talking about how they bond over skincare, and he says, your tea dr- to your tea <laughs> zone is dry, and, and Finn <laughs> looks at his crotch. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it took me about two or three times before I actually caught oh. that, but when I did, oh my gosh. <laughs> Poor confused them. <laughs> Again, oh. one of the many signs that I feel like Kurt should have picked up with, we're not compatible. Yeah. Well, that leads me to my second point. Like, when he, he's kind of daydreaming while Finn shoots off of Brittany, <laughs> and the square root of four is rainbows. <laughs> Which it is in her world. Um, just that he, it kind of is interestingly, uh, you know, talking to what Bert says way later on about how, uh, you know, Kurt's kind of in love with this idea of Finn and of this idea of this fantasy and not necessarily Finn himself, even though right. the two of them will be brotherly close. I, I do think that they will genuinely have affection for each other. But right now, Kurt really isn't necessarily seeing Finn as a person. No. Finn is a, Finn is an idea. Finn is the the white knight who's going to ride in on the stallion to save him from people throwing him in a dumpster. Um, he doesn't he doesn't see Finn as a person yet, which again I think gets moved forward once we move into the basement mm-hmm. and he has to confront that oh here's a person who has gone through similar pains to I to, to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and uh, one thing uh, before we move on to the basement scene, um, you know, it's interesting. He's talking about like Quinn will eventually break his heart, and he's not really seeing Quinn as a person very much. Like you said, he's he's seeing Quinn as this evil dragon, right. and unfortunately, he doesn't see that Quinn has got this really huge problem, and and 
Yeah. This. Now, he, he doesn't seem to see most people around him as living, breathing human beings yet. And I think that's part of uh, the wall mm-hmm. that he builds up to protect himself and protect his emotions. Um, I think that part of that is not allowing him to see the humanity in the other people around him. Um, and so Finn is a knight, and Quinn is a cheerleading dragon, and other people are not consequential, and Rachel is an adversary, right. and so he, he slotted people into predetermined categories. Slots. Yeah. Um, well, and, and so it oh. takes him a while to break out of that. Yeah, and I guess that's it, again, like you, we were both saying, it, it goes into how he's been protecting himself from you know a, a society and a reality that gets him beaten up a lot or tears him down a lot. It's part of you know he is as a person kind of a he can be a focused person, and when he gets his mind set on something, he's just gonna go all out and do it, and it, it doesn't really always. It takes him a while to realize that there are consequences to the things and decisions that he makes. Oh, it does. And I think that a lot of people who are really big Kurt fans, which I, I'm a huge Kurt fan, don't acknowledge often enough is that he can be mean. Yeah. He can be very mean. He can be very manipulative. He can be very cruel. He has a very, very good talent for knowing what's going to cut you the worst. Yep. And being very efficient with yep. finding the words to say that. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, Kurt was who I latched on to first um, when I started watching the show. And, like, the something that I just love about Kurt, though, is that he has flaws and he's multifaceted and he's just, like... He's got great things about him there, and they're wonderful, wonderful qualities, but there are also these darker qualities. He isn't the nicest of person. He, he will cut you when you're down. I mean, it, and it just, I think it flushes him out to a more interesting character and a more well-rounded character. I think he's one of the more realistic characters yeah. from, from the beginning that they, have, they allowed him to be both light and dark, both good and bad, and to have actual flaws that you recognize in friends and you recognize in yourself um, because you can be a gushy romantic and still want to cut somebody down and tell them that everything about them is terrible. Right, exactly. And, and, still, they, and they let him be both and I really appreciate that about the way that they wrote Kurt throughout the vast majority of the series. Right. Well, yeah, and, and I like that, you know, also, you know, he has good friends. He does find love. It, it, it's like, I feel like in TV, so often you have your good characters or your bad characters, and oh, yes. you just don't have that gray in there where, you know, that people are complicated things, and, and yeah, he's just a, a real, real character, and I love that. I think that was one of the things that Glee did well. Um, I think that it allowed characters to be both good and bad, to have their high points and to have their low points and to do uh, wonderful things and to do terrible things. And just like when we interact with our friends in real life, you know, people are going to do terrible things and you're going to forgive them because they're your friends and you have a history. And I think that Glee allowed its characters to do that, which a lot of shows 
don't. Especially teen shows. I mean, granted, oh, this, yeah. this show was geared, I mean, towards an audience that was 40, but, I mean, it, it, in some respects. It's I, true. It's so true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of teen shows you get, like, Saved by the Bell or Disney Channel, or and, and, and those characters aren't really exactly more than, you know, two dimensions, so. Right. This character always did good things and went to class and did their homework and never was mean to their parents, and the only time that they did anything bad was that they took caffeine pills so that they could study more. <laughs> Being saved by the belt man back in the day. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> and then you, have, you have the characters who are like, oh, you know, I'm the I'm the trampy student who always lets boys into my boudoir, and I'm going to do terrible things. And I never study, and I'm always smoking, and I'm doing the things that we say that teens are bad for. And so... You, you don't get a lot of crossover with it, and, and Glee really allowed their characters to be both good and bad and to be people. Exactly. I love it. All right, moving down to the, uh, moving on to the, the bedroom scene, which is, as we've talked about a little bit before, it's the first real kind of sincere bonding that the two of them get. Oh, I love this scene. <laughs> I, it's, it's so heartbreaking in a way, but yet, you know, it, it's kind of nice to have a kind of a break from the, the manipulative, awkward flirting, Kurt, um, and just this real moment between these two characters who have this really sad thing in common that they both lost a parent early, and they can really relate to each other on, on a level that, you know, the, they can't, um, the two of them don't exactly relate to anybody else because the other people haven't had this thing happen right. to them. Which, I mean, and, and, and thankfully so. That's not something that you would ever wish on people or characters, and, and I hate that that's how they bond, but they really both take this opportunity to to say some truth about themselves mm-hmm. and to see some truth about the other person. Um, I think that uh, talking about Kurt's mom and Finn's dad um, allows Kurt to kind of take off the fairy tale blinders. Right. Say, you know, this is Finn is a real person. He's not just someone who's here to save me from my own troubles. He's oh wait, he's got troubles of his own. Um and I think that, that also is when he starts to be a little bit more sympathetic about the Finn Quinn situation. Mm-hmm. And I think uh on the other hand as well, it gives Finn an opportunity to see that, you know, Kurt just isn't this sassy, weird-dressing kid who is telling me about my T-Zone. Mm. You know, he's had um, he's had a similar experience to me, and in some ways, his version of this experience is much more painful. And I think that, that it was especially heartbreaking to me when Finn said, well, I guess it was a good thing that I never got to know him. Right. And, and, and oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I mean, it's just it's just, it's such a hard scene because you want to say, well, no, that's not true. I really wish that you had gotten to know him. Mm-hmm. I mean, me as a viewer, I, I have no clue, but that Carol, so it must have been doing something good. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then this the moment where, where Kurt starts to talk about his mom and smelling the dresser and it still smells like her, and that is such a, like... 
Kurt doesn't reveal intimate details about himself no. easily. And the fact that he's able to open up and, and that Finn can kind of recognize that. I mean, it's not like a huge revelation or anything, but it, it you know, it, it's where they, the bonding comes in, in this uh-huh. scene and it's where like it, it, things aren't as awkward. I mean, you know, cause Kurt is being so open and sincere and, and vulnerable a little bit. Right. And, and Finn is there ready to accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that Finn didn't, I mean, I think that Kurt didn't share those moments on purpose. Right. I think that they just kind of slipped out. This is what we were talking about, but it didn't hurt to, to share it. So maybe you don't have to keep up your hard candy shell <laughs> as, as firm as, as you normally do, because here's a, here's a kid who, previously had participated in throwing you in dumpsters Mm -hmm. and you're telling him these intimate details and he's responding with empathy and he's responding with sympathy and he's responding with similar situations. And I think that that this is really the beginning of where we'll see their relation go. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of brotherly warmth between them that they've they've both been through a lot they've had a lot of heartache maybe we aren't so different after all Kurt still is not going to date you and is not going to date you (laughs) please sweetie I'm so eager for you to find a new outlet oh I know and at the very end I you know even though they are bonding and Finn's a little bit more accepting of it, he, you can see Kurt, he's like getting out the ties and like brushing he's off the jacket. Out of his shoulder. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, let's try this. Nope, nope, still no. Let's, uh, so I let's love. Take back. Let's take a step back here. What, what, this, this, this episode has so many like really great like little moments. The, the one in this one is. Um, when he's like, you're going to go into Quinn's house. Your, your dad went into war with a weapon. And he's like, you want me to bring a gun to the brace? <laughs> and, and my favorite part of that is, one, Finn's utter honesty with, should this be my plan? Yeah. And Kurt's exasperated look like you cannot have honestly gotten. I should bring a gun from this. <laughs> well, and I love that about Kurt, about how he has these, like, this whole thing, like, all these fantasies, and, like, that, and then earlier when he's watching him cheat off of Brittany, when there's a little part of his brain that's, like, maybe this guy isn't the best, but you know what? You know, everything overrides that little, you know, sense in his brain. You know, he's... Finn is a good guy. He, he has a heart of gold, but he is not the sharpest crayon in the box. No. When it comes to a lot of things around him. And I think that Kurt recognizes that, but that doesn't fit into the fantasy narrative. Right. That he's created. And so, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll ignore that he's cheating off of Brittany. We'll ignore that he thinks I'm encouraging him to take a weapon to the Fabre's house. He's still pretty, and let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just oh man, thinking oh. about if Finn had actually brought a gun to the surprise. I remember when I watched it the first time. I did have a fear that that was going to happen. <laughs> well, okay, because and who knows what is in that magical box of a Desert Storm tactical gear 
and a navy blazer. That's true. <laughs> I never and thought about those things. Could have been anything in that box. True, true. Um, and you know, it's interesting, kind of implied, is that when when Finn gets to the Febreze and he calls Kurt because he's freaking out, and and Kurt's like, you know, just practice a song like we did together. I, like, Kurt probably picked "She's Having My Baby" as the song. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. There, there's no doubt in my mind that he picked that. <laughs> and and I mean, this scene also gives one of my one of my favorite quotes in the entire series is, um, "I can't stay too long; they'll think I'm pooping." Yeah. <laughs> Because it's it's such a thin thing to be worried about. Exactly. And then Kurt's again like, what? Why? You know, this is the point where you are about to tell your girlfriend's incredibly religious parents that you knocked her up. And you're worried that they're going to be concerned about your bathroom habits? Yeah, exactly. Ben, this is not what you should be concerned about. There is a whole other game that is coming right ahead of you. And it does make me wonder sometimes how he could be a quarterback. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem to have the, the the mentality of, okay, well, we're going to do X, which means that Y will happen, which means that Z will happen. He doesn't seem to be able to get to that Z quick witted yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, he might be back on W. I mean, right. well, as much as I do love Finn, I'm not trying to believe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. But. Not, yeah. the, not the brightest crayon no. in the box when it comes to uh, a lot of these interactions with other people that he's not used to. You know, and I, it makes me wonder if, if that's something that kind of... Because Kurt has got to know this is not going to work. I mean, he, he his thinking is that he'll send Finn off with this song that's obviously going to like cause a lot of trouble. And then I don't entirely... I mean, unless it just goes back to that fantasy where he's like, okay, they'll break up and then Finn will be upset and then he will cry on my shoulder because we've been bonding and then he will fall in love with me. Right. I'm, I'm torn as to whether that's what he's hoping for or he had this moment after their bonding scene in the basement. He was like, well, you know, I sing out a lot of my troubles. Sure, this can help you. Let's, let's try this and maybe they aren't as conservative and angry about this that they may be. I I think that part of it is Kurt doesn't anticipate consequences very well. Yeah. And so I don't think that it ever occurred to him that Quinn would be kicked out of her house. No. And, and especially uh, you know cuz um in the the last scene it when Finn is telling him about it he's just a little bit I mean he's not completely devastated but he's just in shock that this happened he, and oh, he's yeah. truly sorry because he knows that he kind of pushed this to happen not that it wouldn't he have happened anyway but it. you know yeah. people, people make their own choices but he was a big part of it yep yeah but but i think that you know that plays out um at a number of points in the series that uh when kurt wants something and gets it in his mind that he's going to do X and Y, he, he doesn't always think through all of the consequences no. to what could possibly happen if people don't respond the way that I assume that they will respond. Right. Right. No, and I think that's just, it, it's something that Kurt 
deals with even through season six. I mean, uh, that's just kind of who he is. It's it's part of her. Yep. Yep. Um, in that last auditorium scene, so we talked about the the talking about Quinn and the consequences, but one of the themes of this episode with ballads is singing how you feel. And like up until this point, you know, they've talked about uh, Finn and how he feels about his baby and about Quinn and whatnot. But here is like moment of truth and it's Kurt's turn to sing. And um, first of all, his song is I Honestly Love You. (laughs) (laughs) Again, of course, yet another thing that goes throughout the series. Kurt sometimes make very poor song choices. Very poor. (laughs) And it's such a, I I love the way Chris plays it because it's such a mass confession in that moment. Um, Chris Colfer is very talented at expressing a lot of very conflicting feelings on his face at the same time. Exactly. He's very talented at it, and especially considering how young he was. Oh, yeah. During this first... I mean, he's practically a baby. And it's amazing how natural that comes to him as an actor. Uh, Because you can look at his face in that scene, and you can see uh, this naked desire that he's hoping that Finn gets it. Uh, this regret at him not being brave enough to say it outright, Uh, a little bit of fear that what happens if he does reciprocate, Uh, opposite fear of what happens if he gets really mad at it. And you can see all of these things on his face at the same time. And it's an expertly acted scene from his end. Oh my god, I I, I almost... It'd be fascinating to have heard the song or see what Kurt did I mean, would it be like a house is not a home where he he is singing to Finn in that moment? Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Of course, we're not going to see that, but it's just an interesting thing that I think about anyway. Oh, sure, because it could could go so many ways. It could be very touching. It could be completely and utterly inappropriate. Mm. Both of those are equally likely (laughs) because they have happened. So many times. It's probably uh, better that Mercedes interrupts. <laughs> I, think, I think it was a very good thing for everybody involved, especially for Finn. Yeah. Because, and, and poor Finn, he's, I, I think at this point he's just utterly blind to it. I think after the, uh, after the basement scene and after um, getting help when he's locked himself in the bathroom, at this moment, all he's really thinking about is that Kurt was helping him with Quinn. Right. Isn't that great for Kurt? You know, I it's really in- appreciate him being a bro. Um, and so it does not even occur to him that Kurt saying, I honestly love you, is this admission. And he's like, yeah, okay, I don't know that song, but but let's let's do that, you know? I you think have, You've been really cool about it. I'm going to help <laughs> you out, too. I, I think that, well... There's a little bit in there. I think that kind of like when back in um, back in Predators, when Kurt has a question, he's like, sorry, dude, you know, I already have a date for prom. I think there is a little bit of knowledge there, but he's trying to. But I mean, as Kurt mentions when they, he's, they're talking on the phone at the during the dinner, they've re- went and rehearsed. Um, so they've had multiple times where they've gotten together and Kurt's helped Finn. So when Kurt does something that's slightly more on this crushy, awkward side, Finn's like, okay, you know, 
I mean, no, he doesn't 100% get it because that's just kind of thin. But <laughs> but at the same time, I do think that there's a little like, okay, this is making me slightly uncomfortable. Let's go back to when we were dude bros and you were helping me with Quinn and that Which, kind again, of thing. is probably a good reason for Mercedes to come through and be like, we're just going to break this up. And this is why Mercedes is the best. No. <laughs> Mercedes is the best. I, I mean, I kind of feel like so many of us could have a button that is part of the Mercedes fan club. Well, yeah. Because she's wonderful. And she's a, she's a great friend of her. And she's, God, her voice. So underutilized, her voice. Oh. They, no, yeah. They, they, I love Amber Riley's voice. It's amazing. It's, I hope she does amazing. do an album someday. It's a powerhouse and it's wonderful. And she's one of those people who I want nothing but good things to yes. happen to. Well, she's such a, a wonderfully positive inspiration, too. I just... At least I think the seeing the things so she's 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 amazing. I love her. I I think Nothing we need a five minutes of every podcast dedicated to the Amber Riley fan club. <laughs> I really do because I've done it in every podcast. So. But you know what? I feel like Kurt and Blaine would approve. Of they that. would. I feel like Kurt is the founding member of the Mercedes fan club and of the Amber Riley fan club. <laughs> Okay, so going to the end, um, it's very sweet. I don't, oh gosh, I don't remember whose idea. I'm pretty sure it was um, Mercedes early on when she's paired with Puck. And she's like, uh, she's the one that's like, oh, you know what? Finn and Quinn are under so much stress. We need to sing to them. I'm pretty sure that's how this idea came about. Yeah. But I love that she's like, you know what? These guys are having a hard time. Let's sing them a, you know, inspirational song. We're, we're going to fix this. Mercedes is going to fix it. <laughs> I love it that a lot of her expressions are, I can't believe you ridiculous people. Come on, let's just fix this. Right. <laughs> and, and I love that it ends up with a number like Lean on Me, which is wonderful and appropriate, and you've got the band that randomly shows up <laughs> in there. And I'm always impressed they know exactly what, how to play the songs. Oh, of course. <laughs> it also provides you know some wonderful dance moments with Kurt's Patented shoulder shimmy. <laughs> no, is, is so ridiculous, and I can't get enough of. Oh, and, and I just love that he gets to shimmy in the background with this, uh, even before he goes super awkward. No. Call me. I know. <laughs> That's so. And I think like because at that point Rachel's kind of gotten over her will crush and is looking at you know Finn like oh yeah that's right I wanted you first and right. Quinn's there knocked up and just all of a sudden you know Kurt's like call me and I'm like oh man <laughs> it went it went from sweet to super awkward real fast and and I love that especially the the wide eyed look on Finn's face where he was like wait what what. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that kind of brings us to the end. Did you have any other further thoughts on it, or? Oh, I just, I love it, and I, it, it's one of my favorite episodes just because we start to really see Kurt and Finn moving towards a much more emotionally healthy friend and familial relationship than weird, crushy. I'm going to break ties over you and <laughs> declare my undying love for this person who has never once showed any interest in me at all. Right. Um, I, I do love that this is kind of the turning point where we get to to go further uh, into their relationship, and it's just it's just wonderful. I love the first season. I I think that we don't give it enough credit. Oh yeah. Well, and and one thing about me because. 
you know, when I first kind of watched it, um, you know, you get so tied up with the Will and Rachel stuff, and, and sometimes I'm just like, okay, I just want to fast forward through this melodrama. Uh, but, like, I when I go back to this episode, it's just, it's the first time Kurt has an inner monologue, and it's the first time, I mean, yeah, Wheels and Preggers are both very important for him, I'm not going to undermine those episodes, but just... You know, it, he starts to get really flushed out more here, and, and there are other sides to him. And I, I feel like this is, like, uh, another starting point um, for his character, and I, I just think it's such an important episode. We're getting to see much more of what makes him tick. Right. Um, and I think that it's just a wonderful sign of the things that are to come. Awesome. All right, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and... Um, this was a great episode to do, and you've been a fantastic guest, so thank you. Thanks, I had a bunch of fun. Awesome. Roof off, we're gonna tear the roof off, the mother sucker. Tear the roof off, the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Don't miss TBD Podcast, a Glee podcast discussing Kurt Hummel and Blaine Anderson, uploaded every Sunday night on 2daydreambelievers.tumblr.com.